You're listening to Grant Edwards, 88.1 FM, The Wireless, The World at Five. That is echoed by the Times article which reports Harvard epidemiologist Dr. Michael Mina is saying he would set the figure at 30 or even less. Indeed, even less was suggested by a clinical infectious disease journal study. These results demonstrate that infectivity is significantly reduced when RT-PCR CT values are greater than 24. For every one unit increase in CT, the odds ratio for infectivity decreased by 32%. The difference between 24 cycles and 30 cycles, let alone 40 cycles, is enormous. It's literally exponential. Even if the critics dismiss all of the concerns we raised with case definition and clinical diagnosis criteria and maintain a PCR test is the only requirement to detect COVID-19, hasn't a crucial variable been introduced regarding cycle numbers? If that's the case, surely the PCR proponents have been carefully collating cycle data. It seems no. The Times article goes on to state officials at some state labs said the CDC had not asked them to note threshold values or to share them with contact tracing organisations. How did we get into this mess with PCR cycle thresholds? The article goes on to state the Food and Drug Administration said in an email statement that it does not specify the cycle threshold ranges used to determine who is positive and that commercial manufacturers and laboratories set their own. You can draw your own conclusions there. In fact, the original Corman-Drosten COVID PCR test first published in January 2020 has led to much of the confusion because it was woolly around definitions and standard operating procedures. With regards to this paper, on November 26, a consortium of health professionals and scientists sent a retraction request letter to Eurosurveillance. They documented numerous problems with the Drosten paper. It is possible that some of the technical issues relating to the laboratory techniques may be resolved, but to me, identified the following key issues. The number of PCR cycles to be used was not specified and there was no definition of what defines a positive or negative result. The PCR test cannot discriminate between the whole virus and viral fragments. A positive test cannot be equated to infection with a virus, i.e. it has no clinical relevance. Corman and Drosten failed to disclose their affiliations with the commercial test laboratory Labor Berlin which is involved in PCR testing. In any case, it seems that when it comes to COVID-19, we still don't have many sound principles behind either case definition or clinical diagnosis. And is this a major problem? Yeah, it's gonna be a problem. It's gonna be a problem for them. <laughs> I was having a conversation about this recently with Dr. Simon Thornley, public health physician at the University of Auckland. Dr. Thornley directed me to an article in the BMJ discussing the implications of how we classify conditions. I'd encourage you to have a look at the article, which I've linked in the description. It explains the different ways in which overdiagnosis can occur, especially by overdetection or overdefinition. The authors state that while the forms of overdiagnosis differ, the consequences are the same. Diagnoses that ultimately cause more harm than benefit. Is there any hope that the COVID situation is going to be resolved anytime soon? That I cannot say, but there have been some fascinating developments recently. Four German tourists who were illegally quarantined in Portugal on the basis of a COVID-19 PCR test have won a landmark court case. The judges in the Lisbon Court of Appeal delivered some decisive rulings including, in view of current scientific evidence, this test shows itself to be unable to determine beyond reasonable doubt 
that such positivity corresponds in fact to the infection of a person by the SARS-CoV-2 virus and the test reliability depend on the number of cycles used. It's sad that we are needing court cases to point out the shortfalls of the PCR test, but perhaps it's one of the only ways forward when politicians and health institutions seem unable to follow the science. Dr. Sam Bailey. You'll find her at drsambailey.com. No, yeah, Dr. Sam Bailey. So it's drsambailey.com and uh, get over there because they've got some very interesting things happening. They've got their their latest one that's just come out. The latest video is... um, it's called mid-February. They're going to be doing bi-monthly. What's that? Every so twice twice a month. I think bi-monthly means. <laughs> I get confused about those things. Uh, five past six, and uh, we'll just. But you no, know, she's mentioned and had a clip from Dr. Fauci. Uh, look, I think there's something very suspicious about Kerry Mullis. This this is Mullis. This is um, he was the inventor of the PCR test. Now this is Fauci, and then we'll hear from Mullis, and then we'll have a look around the newspapers and see what's happening with New Zealand news. The safety of these vaccines have been clearly established. The long-term effects that the people are apparently concerned about really have with, with, I'm sure there is a very, 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 very rare exception, but the long-term effects are really essentially non-existent. Do we have any data about you know, vaccines and the, the back end of that or the negative side of that. There's been a, yeah. a number of studies. New York yeah. Times just did one about um, sure. menstruating cycles and how that is affected by vaccines. Yeah, though, well, the menstrual thing uh, is, is something that seems to be quite transient and, and temporary. That's the point. That's one of the points. We need to study it more. We need to study because it. Because the other side that just keeps putting out misinformation and disinformation seems to be tireless in that effort. An article in the San Francisco Examiner, I think, a Sunday magazine section, which was just phenomenal. I still have a picture of it. It says, um, I call you murderer, an open letter to an incompetent idiot, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of NIAID. Now, that's what you are, Fauci, and you need to be held accountable. You need to be held to trial and uh, either spend the rest of your life, the rest of your short, I don't think you've got too many years left. Uh, Who knows how long we've got? What does the Bible say? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now, that was Fauci. Let's hear from Kerry Mullis what he thinks about Fauci. What is it? What What is it about humanity that that, that that wants to go to all the details and stuff and listen? You know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything, and I'd say that to his face, nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope, and if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy, and he doesn't understand medicine. And he, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people who pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. You can't expect the sheep to really respect the best and the brightest. They don't know the difference, really. I mean, I, I like humans, don't, don't get me wrong, but basically there is a, there is a, 
there's a vast, the vast majority of them do not possess the the ability to judge who is and who isn't a really good scientist. I mean, that's a problem. That's the main problem, actually, with science. I'd say in this century, because science is being judged by people, funding is being done by people who don't understand it. Okay, who do we trust? Fauci. Fauci doesn't know enough to, you know, if Fauci wants to get on television with somebody who knows a little bit about this stuff and debate him, he could easily do it because he's been asked. I mean, I've had a lot of people, president of the University of South Carolina, ask Fauci if he'd come down there and debate me on the stage in front of the student body because I wanted somebody who was from the other side to come down there and balance my, because I felt like, well, these guys can listen to me. But I need to have somebody else down here that's going to tell me the other side. But he didn't want to do it. Yeah, he didn't want to do it, no, because he didn't know anything. That's Kerry Mellis, Dr. Kerry Mellis, and uh, he is the inventor of the PCR test. Now, I find it very suspicious that he died. He was only 73, a very fit and healthy man, and he died in just three months before the first COVID, before the pandemic came out. I find that suspicious. We'll look at the newspapers in just a moment. Nine past six. Good morning. I'm here at New Scotland Yard where the police have just said they cannot find Abdul Azadi anywhere. Uh, just speaking to one officer inside, he said, fuck it, lads, it's the weekend. So uh, that's the latest here. Police now saying Abdul Azadi has gone into the river because, frankly, they can't find him. They can't really be asked to look for him. And honestly, if you're not a white guy going 23 miles an hour in a 20 mile an hour zone, they're not going to even bother. That's the latest here at New Scotland Yard. 88.1 FM, the wireless New Zealand news. All right, we've got some New Zealand news for you. I'll tell you what, we sure have. It's 10 past six and New Zealand real estate agents face a five-year ban, uh, ban, I should say, a New Zealand real estate agent, singular, five-year ban for refusing woke indoctrination in the workplace. The cultural war is being fought on all fronts with uh, everyday Kiwis fighting back against the weaponization of the identity politics to further the radical agenda which seeks to undermine and transform our society. Real estate agent Janet Dixon is one such New Zealander with a fight on her hands after refusing to complete a compulsory short course which had very little to do with her profession, uh, which she has labelled on Facebook as woke madness. Dixon is now seeking a judicial review of the real estate authority's power to enforce cultural training for the country's realtors. In addition to hiring legal support, she's also backed by lobby group Hobson's Pledge, headed by Don Brash, formerly the National Party. Uh, he was, yes, head of the National uh, and he was also the Reserve Bank Governor, I think, from memory. The judicial review could cost as much as $150,000. Just disgraceful, isn't it? And donations are being sought to help with the legal fees. You can donate to the cause at hobsonspledge.nz forward slash meet Janet Dixon. Uh, and there's a story over at the New Zealand Herald as well. Realtor Janet Dixon facing five-year ban for refusing Maori values. And so she should. Now, the course they have to do, and we'll put this up on our Facebook page as well. We'll do that, won't we, Digger? Yeah, okay, we have to carry on and I'll do it. All right, and so it's at the wananga.ac.nz forward slash media, and then it's got some other gobbledygook. Uh, just, just look up, um, what would it be? What would they call it? 
Um, anyway, these, this is the course these um, poor real estate agents have to do. They've got enough. <laughs> they're trying to destroy the middle class. I mean, if you really want to make money, um, real real estate. If you can if you can sell, real estate is the way to get ahead. Really, that that is the way. I don't know if it is now. I don't know if I could be bothered jumping through the hoops. I sold real estate. I was pretty good at it too, um, and I did it for a number of years. And then I started my own company. I was a, a auctioneer. An auction business with a wonderful lady called, um, what was her name, um, Alison Story, who and I started back in 1991, I think it was, and then I sort of morphed into publishing, and um, and, and she went into advertising as well, actually. I don't know, I have lost track of Alison, but she was a very nice, very nice lady, and we were the two, two, I think we were the two top sellers, I think, or oh, there was one other. There was one other there. Uh, there, was, there was three of us. I think they were pretty good. We had 75% of the listings, though, and that makes it easy, doesn't it? It's hard today. But we used to like just putting the, the buyers in the car and showing them three properties and selling them one. <laughs> of course, we had all the listings up at Harvey's and Titarangi. We had all the listings. And when you've got all the listings, boy, you've got it made, really. Uh, and then we, we went out on our own, and we did very well. We had an office um, underneath, um, above personalised plates. That's Barry Murray. Murray Tom had personalised plates. He's the one who invented it. And I actually worked with Murray at Skin Underwaterwood back in the 70s. And I'll tell you what, now I've just had a thought, <laughs> because I think one of the songs, uh, well, are we going to do news? Well, we'll do news. We'll do, do, do news. But before we do, I just want to do this while I'm thinking about it, because if I don't do it when I'm thinking about it, I will, um, I will, I will forget about it and, uh, don't go breaking my heart. That is what I want to play for you right now because it just reminds me of On My Way in My Little Mini, uh, with the British Racing Green and the white top. And I was on my way to work at Skin Underwater when I was, oh, I think I was about 15. Had a car, at, had my first car at 14. <laughs> yeah, bought it for 80 bucks. Now, uh, don't go, don't go breaking my heart. Yeah, let's, um, let's see if I can find it. Yeah. Uh, Elton John and Kiki D. Are we allowed to he- play that? Uh, we will. Now, look, if you're on Facebook and there's gaps, or just go forward um, or go over to Rumble. That's the best place. Uh, or any of the streams there. You'll see it in the description if you're on Facebook uh, because we're having a war with them at the moment. We've got a right to play our music, uh, but they're trying to stop us. And it's just, <laughs> it's just a nightmare. You need a team of lawyers just to stay ahead of it. It's 14 minutes past six, and this song reminds me of going to work. Uh, I've just sort of segued into it, sorry, but let's have a bit of music.
final wonderful there. Elton John with Kiki D takes me back to 1973. That just rhymed, but I think it actually came out in 1975 or 76, somewhere around there, wasn't it? Back when, before I realised that Elton John was a, a pillow biter, uh, in, uh, before I realised he was a homosexual, I didn't know that. I thought I thought he was just well, a normal guy. Uh, but there, and I thought all that, you know, the high heels and everything, and the stage makeup and the big glasses and the diamonds and all that. I thought that was all just stage stuff, and it is, it is really. Uh, Tom Tom McDonald. We might hear from Tom McDonald uh, a little bit later on. I better find him. Uh, I've got him here. Anyway, um, now listen. You said you were doing New Zealand news. I did. Let's do New Zealand news. Sorry about that. We'll get back to it. I got segued out of there with that real estate agent. Good on you, Janet Dixon. Is that her name? Janet? Yes, Janet, I think. Yep, good on you for standing up, and I hope more of you stand up too. So you need to get over and, and uh, I was say, vote. Donate. Donate. Besides Countessman Media, these are the two organisations you need to be donating to. Uh, Hobson's Pledge, only because this Janet Wilson thing's happening there. Um, they got, they need support for her. It's going to cost 150000 for this, this stupid case. And also Countessman Media. And Calvin right now is over in Moscow uh, at the Russophobia uh, event and it's fantastic and, and most of the journalists in this country all of the mayors have been banned from travelling to Russia Calvin Alp is there uh, so Countess from Media they're on the um, they're on the inside they're, they're going to be able to come back and well, Calvin's going to be able to report back to you really the truth about uh, Russia that our mainstream media is hiding from us 88.1 FM The Wireless New Zealand News all right, well, let's do some New Zealand news. I've been, I've been terrible, terrible this morning. Okay, we'll go to the Otago Daily Times. That's the mainland. So, Gaul Rizgaraman, she faces new fourth charge. Police are laying a fourth charge against Green MP. Gaul Riz, she's a former Green MP now. Gaul Rizgaraman, uh, she had had her first court appearance uh, for allegedly shoplifting. Uh, delayed again? Oh, dear. And uh, bordering on the crisis, the government announces an inquiry into the school property. Who owns a school property? The government is launching an inquiry after it was revealed that more than 100 classroom buildings were in doubt. And ex-MP Maggie Barry, the wonderful, lovely Mary, Maggie Barry, what a lovely person she is. And apparently she got a bit, bit annoyed with them on, on the plane, but she says no. But I think they're making a bit of a, a storm and a teacup here. Ex-MP Maggie Barry alleges abuse of Air New Zealand crew detailed. Uh, oh, hang on, is it? No, I've got that around the wrong way. Did, yeah, you read that wrong. Oh, XMP Maggie Barry's alleged abuse of Air New Zealand crew has detailed former politician Maggie Barry and broadcaster and wonderful person. <laughs> she did the gardening show. Maggie Barry allegedly abused an Air New Zealand cabin crew member and another passenger refused to follow instructions she did. And then she kicked up a bit of a fuss, according to this report. Uh, when confronted about it. Now, there's a $2 million surge in election campaign spending by third-party groups. Now, those are the groups that I guess that are behind people like um, an NZ News Essentials and The Centrist, those types of things. Third-party groups poured in $2 million into the election campaign. New data has revealed... That's old news. I don't know why you're worried about that, Otago Daily Times. Well, someone's got to be putting money into the, into the real media. Ashburton murder accused claims the partner stabbed himself. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hurry, curry. Uh, the trial of a woman accused of murdering her partner at an Ashburton home has started more than four years after the violent killing. And a four-year-old accidentally given antipsychotic drug, the four-year-old boy with hay fever. He was uh, accidentally given an antipsychotic drug from the pharmacist. Now, the Greek word for pharmakia 
which is where we get the word pharmacy from. Pharmacist is sorcery. <laughs> AK had to be rushed to hospital after suffering what appeared to be a severe allergic reaction. And um, I think I heard in the report at Radio New Zealand uh, about three o'clock, I think it was, three or two. Oh, no, I couldn't sleep last night. <laughs> no, I didn't wet the bed. Uh, anyway, I heard that um, the, the chemists now, they're in trouble and uh, they've got to check the prescriptions. It was a chemist's fault, apparently. Allegedly, it was. Promising teen driver, one of two, killed in a rally crash. Uh, the motorsport world is mourning after a double fatality during a rally in Northland on Sunday, which took the life of a promising young driver. Who is that young driver? And then we'll go and look at the the band, the patching, the, the patch band. Now, promising teen driver, we got that. Oh, he looked a nice young fellow. There's two of them. Ah, oh, that's no good. Brooklyn Horan and Tyson Zane, Z- Zane Jamet, uh, have been identified as the two people killed during a rally in Northland. I didn't know there was a rally in Northland. I thought that, um, oh, I suppose, yeah, they block off our road and they race around, uh, you know, when we, where we are down south. Uh, the motorsport, but I haven't, I haven't, uh, anyway. The motorsport world is a morning after a double fatality during the Northland rally on Sunday. Is this the latest? If I clicked on 2023 or something, <laughs> 26th of February, that was just last night. So there we are, Monday, we're Tuesday, don't we, Digger? Yes, Tuesday. I mean, you lose track, don't you? Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do lose track. Anyway, this is a sad story. Um, the driver and co-driver died in a single car crash at about 2 p.m., 2 in the afternoon, during the Acadia Road uh, rally sprint in Paparoa. Oh, no, held by Hibiscus Coast Motorsport Club. Oh, they want to stop rallying now, won't they? Someone get, flips a car on the beach, they want to stop you going on the beach. Uh, you know, some halfwit from Australia comes in and shoots up some Muslims in a, in a mosque, and then they want to stop you owning guns. They blame us for everything, uh, which is not. They just use them. It makes you wonder whether some of these things are false flags. I mean, this is obviously not. This is very, very um, sad indeed. The fatalities occurred when the car left the road and became submerged in a swollen river. Oh, you poor boys. And Harold, I hope they're young. I hope they're under 21. Um, yes, they are. Oh, that's good. They'll be off to heaven then. Marvelous! All children. Jesus said, "All little children suffer. Little children to come unto me, for theirs, for such is the kingdom of God." And uh, there's plenty of stories. The children of Israel, uh, the ones that were around twenty or below, I think, or it might have been under twenty or under twenty-one. I can't quite sure. But John McClone, he put me onto this wonderful truth. I think it's in, it's in the Old Testament, right back in the early bits there. They weren't allowed to go into the, the, all those unbelievers that were in that group of that were in the desert for 40 days that come out of Egypt, you know, and uh, in the f- desert for 40 days, and all the ones that were unbelieving, they didn't trust Moses, they didn't trust God, even though he'd done all these miracles and kept them safe for 40 years out in the desert, um, they weren't allowed to pass into the promised land. Uh, and I think that's a picture, and so does John. We think that's a picture that those that are adults, fully fully adult, not little children, God wouldn't send little babies and little children to hell. You know, you want to be mental. The the um, the Roman Catholics, you know, they want to quickly bat, you know, christen your child in case it ends up in purgatory, which is a load of nonsense. The only purgatory that's ever uh, that's in the Bible, if you read the Bible, Roman Catholic, you'll know that that's a load of fooey. Uh, the only purgatory is when Jesus purged himself on that cross for your sins and mine. That's he did it. His blood was shed for us once and for all, not over and over in the Mass. But anyway, the truth is that if you're a young person up to the age of around 20, then you're still not fully responsible for your actions. You're not fully, you know, God knows, you're still kids, really, aren't you? 21, you're an adult. 
and but 20 and this is where I think that um, we got a lot of our biblical principles about sending men to war they went they had to be 20 I think didn't they now it's 18 terrible the, the average age of a Vietnam vet was 19 no 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 19 and in World War Two though I think it was older it was about 21 lots of young men I think you had to be 20 so that would mean I'm pretty sure that's anyone under 20 you get to you get to go to heaven even if you don't even believe even if you're just a rat bag and that gives me great joy really it gives me great joy that these young foolish young people which is what we are we're absolutely stupid when we're under 20 we we are just the bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child but the rod of correction will drive it far from them of course when they get to about 14 uh, they're a bit too old to hit so you've got to do all your whacking of your kids give them the beatings when they're little uh, just like a little tree like a little if you've got a, a when your tree gets too big it's very hard to move it around isn't it you know that it's a bit difficult to dig it up and plant it somewhere else but when they're just little seedlings you can handle it and it's a bit like my cows as well when they're little and calves I can, I can go up behind them and I'm not going to get booted in the blimmin in the nuts um, I can pat them and stroke them and, and you know get friendly but when they get a bit bigger they want to hump you and that's not very good because I ended up having broken ribs when one got a bit friendly when they get bigger they can be quite dangerous and it's the same with kids but anyway do you remember that story uh, it was about a, a two years ago when those young boys were racing in South uh, in the South Island and one was in the boot of the car and I think they were, they were all killed and they were only 15 and 16 gosh they just honestly I just brought tears to my eyes and then John gave me John McClone from uh, Kentucky he gave me that truth and I believe that's true that those boys are in heaven right now the Bible says this is the Apostle Paul he says absent from the body present with the Lord those for Christians if you're not a Christian or if you're you know older than 20 then you the Bible says the dead know nothing you just lie in the grave and wait for the great white throne judgment and that's not going to be much fun so you can just enjoy your long home until um, the, after the thousand years you know some of you listening probably think this is all fiddlesticks don't you I bet you do I'll tell you what you won't make a liar out of God and what I'm telling you is the truth uh, there we are so we'll leave it at that now uh, let's just get back to the story so the um, fatalities occurred right they left the road the tributes revealed that the driver was 15 praise the Lord for that that he's young because uh, when you, I know you you think, you're a horrible person. Why would you say that? Because I know he's in heaven right now. Brooklyn Horan, who was showing promise behind the wheel despite his young age. I think he's been saved because if he was over 20, he'd be, in, he'd be history. And uh, the co-driver Tyson, Tyson Jemmett, a social media post by uh, Hod, Hods, Hodskin. Oh, is that Tracy? No, no. Hodskin's Motorsport. Uh, shared a photo of Horan competing and winning the Kiwi Trucks competition as far back as 2017. When we, he would have only been under 10, according to this, and it's with a very heavy heart that today uh, we heard the absolutely devastating news that Brooklyn passed away. He was killed, wasn't he? Uh, during the very thing that he grew up loving to do, according, according to his family. Tributes have just been pouring in. The Post then remembers Horan's cheeky smile, and, and it goes on. So if you can have a look at that uh, story there, it's a, it's a very, very sad in a way, but um, I have hope for, for them. Uh, I really do. Otago Daily Times, promising teen driver killed. There we are. Oh, nasty, isn't it? So you just got to be careful. Now, the, the Bill of Rights won't stop gang patches, according to the minister. This minister is a fascist halfwit. We're in trouble here. I tell you what, the National Party, you know, we had six years of of communism, and now we're going to have six, <laughs> however long, I think it'll take decades for the Labour Party to recover after what, the, what they put us through. But I tell you what, we're not out of the woods. 
And this makes me angry. I'm on the side of the gangs, although I don't agree with gangs. Um, or, well, I do agree with gangs, but I don't agree with violent criminals. And they should be focusing on violent criminals, not on what they're wearing. You know, the, 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 the dress police. Justice Minister Paul Goldsmith says if a ban being imposed on gang patches is found to breach the Bill of Rights, that will not stop the government enforcing it. Did you just hear what he said? He, he's, he's a lawless man. Justice Minister Paul Goldsmith, you are lawless. The law says you can't stop people's freedom of expression. It's in the Bill of Rights. And you're going to do exactly what the Labour Party did during the COVID pandemic and ride roughshod over the rights of in the individual. Why? For your collective, which doesn't exist. It's like a forest. Forest is just made up of individual trees. And you use this collective nonsense. And so does your minister, your, your prime minister, your boss, um, Christopher Luxem. Anyway, he says gang patches will be banned in public. Police will be given special powers to break up gang gatherings. And courts will be able to stop gang members associating with each other. This is outrageous. These laws, they put, they're, doing, they're not doing this to stop gangs. This is not the way to stop gangs. Look, who cares about gangs? It's the crime. We want to stop the crime, not the gang patches. People should be like, I'm in a gang. We're not criminals, though. We're not violent criminals. We don't break the law. But I'm in a gang. Lots of people are in a gang. You politicians are in a gang. The media are a gang. So these laws that they're going to pass, pretending that it's to stop the gangs are going to be to take away your freedom and mine. That's what that's all about. Anyway, this is what he says. Gang patches will be banned. Uh, they'll be given special powers. The police will be. And the courts will be able to stop gang members associating with each other. Totally against the Bill of Rights. The legislation is expected to be introduced to Parliament in the next few days. Let's hope there's some blimmin' good um, opposition, well, opposition to it. Who's, who's going to be opposing that, though? This is the National Party. I told you they were fascists, didn't I? I warned you. I said they're fat. They, we've got. We had the the communists were running the country. Now we've got the fascists. The globalists. They don't care what you are. They don't care whether you're a fascist, a Nazi, or a communist. So long as you do what they say, you've got to do the these. They use them all. <laughs> they use them all. Oh gosh. Calm down, Grant. Just get on red. All right. All right. Sorry. I know my daughter says I can't stand listening to you. <laughs> you just get so angry. Uh, well, I try not to be angry. This this new program, this new show we're doing is supposed to be all happy chappy, isn't it? Yeah, he started off on the wrong foot. Okay, uh, let's have a look here. Um, the critics are questioning the legality and the enforceability of the ban. The government expects to have banning gang patches in public places by the end of this year. There are existing restrictions in schools, hospitals and courthouses. Police Minister Mark Mitchell, he's another fascist, yesterday told the media that people did not feel safe in their homes. Right, so don't gang the, uh, gang the patches. Don't ban the patch. Go out and arrest the criminals, you pussies. <laughs> he says, for too long, gangs have been allowed to behave as if they are above the law. Yeah, but banning their patches isn't going to do it. And we know, oh, I'm repeating myself, there is no tolerance for this behavior oh, look it's just bullshit mate go out there and arrest these buggers get in there get in there with your armed defenders or whatever it is find get get your detectives going on the job find out what they're flipping guilty of and get them before the courts and put them away lock them away and don't put them in normal prisons put them in special prisons 
where where they can work for a living, work proper work. I, I want tent cities in. Um, we've, we've heard about. We've talked about this before. Tent cities in um, the desert road between Tuarangi and uh, Wauru all year round. Tent cities, and they're going to be working, smashing up rocks. And if there's no rocks to find there, we'll get them delivered on a truck. And we'll have men on horseback with um, Mossberg uh, pump actions. Uh, and they, you try and run away, you, you go outside, you little, you'll wear your ankle bracelet. We won't put you in chains. You have your ankle bracelet, and you go outside the area, and uh, you'll be shot on sight. You need to work. The devil finds work for idle hands, and it's good. The Bible says it's good for a man to work with his hands. You won't make a liar out of God. So anyway, so this is it. Gang patches have been been tried before, banning them. Uh, that was a, happened in Wanganui in 2009. I wonder if that half-wit Michael Laws was mayor then. Uh, the Hells Angels later asked the High Court to review the law, and it ruled the ban was inconsistent with the Bill of Rights. Especially, it absolutely is. This is going to be a total another. To- the lawyers are loving it. They're rubbing their hands together. Oh, we've got more money to make. It's going to be great. It's just, you know, well, we're just, they're the winners. They're the only ones. If you get divorced, who wins? You don't win your case. Even if you, if you, even if you win your case over your husband, you silly cow. It's the lawyers that win. You lose, man. You lose everything. You make enemies out of your children. You use your kids as hostages. Shame on you. And it's always women and educated women are the worst. Did you know that? 70% of marriage bust ups are the women is the one that busts the marriage up. 80% if you're university educated. It's true. Anyway, get back to the game. All right, Hills Angels. Uh, they later, yeah, we talked talk about it. now. The government said that it is that its ban is based on legislation that's worked in Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, they're a bunch of fascists over there as well. Commie fascists. Oh, we're heading towards a one-world government, folks, where we have no rights whatsoever. Who am I looking at? Goldsmith. You halfwit. You flippin' pussy. Go and get, go and arrest criminals. Forget about what people are wearing. <laughs> the dress police. The Bill of Rights states that everyone has the freedom of expression, including the freedom to seek, receive, and impart information and opinions of any kind. And that little patch on the back of that uh, leather jacket is a fr- is an expression. It's freedom of expression. And they can do it anyway. So you're going to have to remove the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights should have been enshrined in our law as part of our Constitution. It's, I don't believe it is, but it needs to be. Um, ask whether banning, banning game patches would breach the Bill of Rights. This is what Goldsmith said. People have also got the right to be able to live peaceably in a society without being intimidated. Yeah, but ban- oh, you can you see what they're doing? They're making laws to restrict our movements, our freedoms. They're making laws, pretending that it's for the gangs uh, to stop our freedom of, of, of expression. And it's, it's actually designed for us. And the sooner we wake up to that, the better. Now, I've got to go and <laughs> cool off. I'm going to go outside, put my toes on the grass, and then we'll come back to some news in just a moment. In the meantime, here's Katie Hopkins to cheer you all up. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. Made in America. Ah, ah, that was a bit short. 
Yeah, thanks, uh, Laura. We're here on the banks of the Thames where the Metropolitan Police say they have found the body of half-a-face Abdul, Abdulazadi. Mm. As you know, a couple of days ago, police were in the river, found two bodies in the space of half an hour. Neither of them were Abdul, and nor do the police have a fucking clue who they actually Ooh, were. Katie. Today's body is the body of a white female. The head of the Metropolitan Police said... Fuck it, oh, we'll just Katie. say it's Abdul. Back to you in the studio. Thank you, Laura. Oh, Katie, can you, would you mind not doing that? I mean, I haven't got time to edit your, your efforts out. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. It's uh, 22 minutes to seven, and uh, here is Katie again. Let's hope she can um, control her potty mouth. Given none of the news organisations that should have been telling you the news yesterday brought you any news whatsoever, because... All any of them could talk about was the cancer diagnosis of King Charles. And many of us would know that uh, there's suspicions about the timing of this. But I thought I'd talk about three stories that weren't talked about that should have been. Um, And furthermore, things that the press and the media are being paid not to say. The first up is Abdul Azidi the guy that's still on the run, having thrown alkali over a woman and her two children in an effort to kill them. Abdul Azidi is clearly being looked after and hidden by his community. And the media is at pains to avoid making this very obvious point. It's the reason there's a £20,000 reward out. That's the sort of thing that the police start doing when they know someone's being hidden because they're trying to work out what that amount is that will be worth it to someone to disclose where he is. The other thing the media are at great pains not to say is not to draw parallels with other examples of how a Muslim community will hide one of their own. And a good example that I know firsthand in its horror is the Bataclan terrorists. If you remember, they went into that large music venue and just opened fire. And some of the things that went on there beyond that even were truly things that just can't be repeated. But when they had finished maiming and killing people and doing the most hideous of things, they went back to Molenbeek in Belgium. I've spent a lot of time there. Molenbeek is known as the jihadi capital of Europe, and that community hid those terrorists for well over a week. And this is the more sinister point that no one will say, is that leftist organisations in Molenbeek that I have spoken to personally knew where the Bataclan terrorists were but did not want to disclose where they were or who they were because they were worried about their funding because the leftists were being paid to enhance community integration and to look after the well-being of the citizens of Molenbeek and they didn't want to risk or sacrifice their funding by betraying the Muslim community by disclosing where the terrorists are. So don't just imagine that these people are hidden by their own community. They're also hidden by people who are dependent on funding or votes from that community. And I know that firsthand. The other story that you weren't uh, appraised of yesterday was the £900 cost of living payment. So the last 300 quid of that payment is being handed out now to people who get that benefit, which, of course, 
if you're a British citizen and you've paid in all your life and you know you're suffering sickness or something, or you're an elderly person that should have been on a pension by now, but you're not, that payment is not begrudged. The cost of living is cruel, but two important things. That payment is also being handed out to millions of people who shouldn't be here. Millions of people who are not deserving of that payment. Millions of people who just arrived here who are taking that money when ordinary British people who are grafting like hell, who have families and are suffering the cost of living, cannot get that payment themselves. The other thing is, what it effectively does is subsidizes the greed of corporates and supermarkets. So if supermarkets keep on charging more, the government takes our taxes and gives it to certain people and gives them more money in their pocket. But what you're effectively doing is subsidizing corporate and supermarket greed. So when they pay out more profits to their shareholders, that's actually money that's being taken, not only from families who are working hard to try and feed their families, but are paying taxes, which then go to people to subsidize the cost of living so that those bastards can still be greedy. It's a kind of long-winded uh, argument, but it makes no economic sense whatsoever to just hand out cash, especially at a time when we don't even know who's in our country and more people than ever are claiming benefits at a time when there are maximum job vacancies available. And then finally, to end with something that's a little bit more jolly, in Japan, Miss Japan has just been awarded to a Ukrainian woman who's naturalised. Hey, just before we go on on that one, um, we've got the same here, haven't we? We've got jobs here. We're handing out money to, to people that should be working and we're bringing people in to do that. Uh, we've, if, if you had a proper government, if you had New Zealand loyal, for instance, we wouldn't be bringing people in. We'd be, we'd be cutting back the benefits, which is the dole money. We wouldn't be giving people money for nothing. They'd have to work for it. And, and employers will be forced to do it too. Employers are taking the easy route, aren't they? And the government as well. They're using immigration. And um, what was the name now? Um, Erica. Erica Stanford. She's, she's looking into this. She was with Jack Tame on Q&A. If I get time, we'll hear uh, part of that interview. It's 16 minutes uh, away from 7 o'clock. Back to Katie Hopkins. As being Japanese. Now, the Japanese people are pissed off because she's not Japanese enough to be Miss Japan. Then she's also Ukrainian, tick all the boxes, but it turns out she's been banging a married man. Now, who am I to point the finger of blame for that offence? But it's not a very Japanese thing to do. I will say, though, if my neighbour down the road is anything to go by, he is one of those who hoisted the Ukrainian flag, changed his social media handle, and then took in a pet Ukrainian He's now going through a divorce. So it is quite a Ukrainian thing to do, I think, just to ban married men. Either way, the Japanese aren't very happy about it. And Miss Japan, the Ukrainian, has had to hand back in her crown. That's the news, I think, that should have been talked about yesterday that wasn't talked about because all anyone could talk about was the king's got cancer. And, of course, we wish all his family well. Finally, this may be the thing that brings Prince Harry to his senses and makes him see that actually family matters more than some Doris that came off the trailer, caravan trailer, trash site, and uh, was probably never going to be the right person for you all along. Anyway, that's the news you should have had yesterday, brought to you by me, 
Katie Hopkins. Wow, thanks, Katie. I mean, uh, don't like your potty mouth. Hey, I've got a bit of a potty mouth. No, we won't worry about that. Hey, look, a fight broke out on the Waiheke Ferry. The ferry had to turn around after a fight broke out, leading to to police call out and long delays for passengers. This was on this late on Sunday night, so it was about eleven o'clock. The Fuller's three hundred and sixty ferry just left Martia Tiered Ferry Terminal, and then a fight broke out on the top deck. It would have been at the winery, wouldn't they? Because having a few drinks at the winery. Uh, the Fuller's Ferry spokesman said the group of passengers became aggressive and crew were forced to return to Waiheke to wait for police support. The ferry remained at the Matiatia terminal for an hour and a half while crew waited for police to assist and help the crew with the trip back to downtown Auckland. The spokesman said several passengers were removed from the ferry by police. Following the arrival of police back up, the sailing made its way back to Auckland City with additional security on board, according to the spokesman. The vessel berthed without incident and all passengers disembarked and uh, safely returned safely safely on arrival. Uh, They added, we apologise to our... Oh, yeah, yeah, we're sorry. All right, that's very good. That's um, that story is in the Otago Daily Times. I'm still really pissed off about the police giving, trying to get the greater powers to crack down on gangs. You shouldn't be getting any any greater powers. Just crack down on crime. We've got all the laws you want. We've got all the laws in the Crimes Act to deal with gangs. You don't need to be worried about what people dress and who they associate with. Uh, it's just a nonsense. Uh, two is, oh yeah, we got that one. Christchurch chemist, yeah, we had that. Oh no, Christchurch chemist robbery, gunman barricades in terrified staff. An armed robber who stole drugs and cash from Christchurch chemists before barricading staff, terrified staff, into a back room on Friday night remains at large. Uh, Ukrainian community marks anniversary of Russia's invasion. Well, really, it was defence. It was Russia defending themselves. And we've got Calvin Alp from Counterspin Media is over there. He'll give us a few a few home truths that our media here won't be telling us about. The Ukrainian community of Aotearoa, oh, you mean New Zealand, and supporters gathered in uh, gathered on Saturday to mark the second year of the invasion. Well, it wasn't. It's a no man's. It's it's a no go zone for NATO, and Putin been warning them for years. Don't try it because we know we know that Washington and and London they want to destroy Russia, the largest country in the world. Uh, he has Putin has no designs on Europe. They're tried, they're spreading disinformation in the West that uh, Putin Putin will just carry on. He doesn't want to. He just wants you don't don't get don't keep saddling yourself in close. And it was a sort of like a no man's a no go zone. Uh, as far as Putin was concerned, that's Ukraine. And uh, they, you did notice that um, Zelensky is, is not admitting how many he lost. There's been probably 600,000 soldiers killed on the battlefields in, during this war, two years. Um, four months ago, Colonel Douglas McGregor, former White House advisor for the, for Trump, he said that uh, the colonel, he's, a, he's a, won a lot of medals as well. He's a very brave man. Uh, I think he was a tank commander. And anyway, the colonel said that over 550,000 Ukrainian troops have died on the battlefields, and that doesn't include the civilians. Uh, apparently, the they are so badly looked after these um, Russian, uh, sorry, not Russian, these uh, Ukrainian troops, that they are because they speak Russian. They are actually um, um, uh, they've got wounded. They couldn't be evacuated, and um, they feel, felt that they would have be better to surrender to the Russians because they know they'd be well looked after. And Russia do look after their prisoners 
of war. Um, although you might not say that after that fellow who was um, in, in a prison up in the, in the gulags, wherever it is, somewhere up north um, there in Russia, further north than north, uh, the northern part there, would be pretty cold, and he was apparently tortured. Well, we don't know. We don't know. We're hearing this from our mainstream media. We don't know the truth about these matters. He might have topped himself. I don't know. We don't know. Uh, you know, and our Western media are trying to make out that, you know, that Russia tortured them. Maybe they did. Uh, maybe they wanted to get information. I don't know. But I just believe that we can't believe anything the mainstream media in this country are telling us. And we've got to look to people like uh, the Counterspin Media. And I'm glad they're coming back with full force this year. Uh, crews working on the port hills. That will be Christchurch. Fire crews have been digging out and extinguishing hotspots identified by drones in Christchurch's Adventure Park as the battle against the city's Port Hill fire continues. Well, heavy rain, strong winds to hit parts of New Zealand, severe rain warnings are in place for the lower North Island and the west of the South Island, and there are severe wind watchers. Got to be people out there watching the wind <laughs> in some areas. Now, a warning over fake live stream links for late Greens MP funeral oh it's probably it probably you probably you disinformationists probably uh, set up these and do it just to make us look bad uh, multiple fake profiles impersonating the late greens mp uh for anana ifisco uh, collins not a bad effort there hey yeah not a bad effort there well give it another try okay for anana Ifisco Collins. Not too bad, mate. Your old Tereo's coming round. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and uh, fake live stream links have appeared on Facebook. Apparently, that's what they're saying. He was 49 years old, fully vaxxed to the Hilton boosted, and he just dropped dead. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, no, no, I look sorry about that little snigger. Uh, very sad when anyone dies. But, you know, he was pushing, you know, pushing the vax on us and now he, here he is now hopefully hopefully people will wake up and let's go over to Damien Dement because he has got a piece on that uh, Damien did have a piece I'll see if I can find it. here we are uh, yeah okay so God bless the whistleblower says Damien Dement late last night and those who help bring light uh, to treme- tremendous issues of the deep of deep public concern, there are not words of of um, that I can express. I don't have it terribly well written here. There are not words of gratitude that can tell you how grateful I, I am. Several years ago, when we all started, uh, because speaking out against corruption and undermining our democracy, we saw the smoke, and you've showed us the fire. This is Damien. Every day, as bodies drop. Families destroyed and societies slide even further into an unrecognisable hellscape, an unconscionable way, the unconscionable way the mainstream media here in New Zealand and all sectors of New Zealand's health complex are all pin drop quiet, their silence shattered by the increasingly common ambulance sirens we all hear. Ifisco Collins became an on the job jab death. It's thrust the reality. Of other revelations, um, uh, rather, it's it's it's. I've just missed the line. It's where are we? His death was unnecessary. I have missed the whole paragraph. Here we are. Uh, okay, what's yeah? It's thrust the reality of these events into the public focus. Finally, says Damien Demand. His death was unnecessary, as were the many thousands of deaths outlined in proven whistleblower data from Barry Young or Dan Picknell's other revelations from the New Zealand police, former police officer Dan Picknell. Now, if you 
have stopped lately and thanked if you haven't stopped lately and thanked God, you should. I agree. I agree. Thank but which God? <laughs> Thank the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't often say that, do they? Uh, because it takes brave and strong-willed people to risk it all, hold the line and be damned with the turbulence. The greatest gift on earth you can give a selfless whistleblower uh, and enablement teams such as him and others is to share their story. It's a sacrifice of untold proportions. I, the only thing I don't like about uh, Telegram is that when you just go to move it up, it just like, you know, and you lose your whole paragraph. Seriously, these stories are becoming legend. Uh, you are fingertips away from life-changing history. We are almighty. We're all one. Love bonds us all. Keep going. Support freedom broadly. We are the thin line. That's Damien Dement. And last night, too, I don't know if you realize this, but Calvin Alp has landed in Russia. And if you go over to, if you have a look on our Rumble page there, we've got that clip there with Calvin. He's in Russia now. I don't think there's anything new coming from Counterspin Media. I'll just have a quick look now. On, I'm over. I'm just starting to use this telegram. It's actually not too bad, is it? Uh, there is. There's two new stories. And uh, we might actually play that right now, actually, if I can. The CMS, that's Counterspin Media, is on the ground in Russia for the second Congress of the Movement and Multipolarity Forum in Moscow. The movement was created out of a patriotic love of the Russian country, culture, and its people. Russians, like many people around the world, are awake or are waking up to the fact that nefarious globalist forces are attempting to sabotage the good people of the world. Um, one day, uh, day one at the conference has just kicked off with representatives from 77 countries with all sorts of professions presented, uh, present, uh, professions, is that right? Pre- present, uh, not just real independent media like Counterspin Media. Calvin is enjoying meeting all types of people and is learning to, uh, learning so much from them. Good on you. Uh, he is filling, uh, filing rather, filing updates as we speak. Oh, you're terrible at reading, Grant. Yeah, shocking. Oh, I didn't get into school, see? Oh, I did in the end. Um, he is fi- <laughs> he's filing updates as we speak, uh, which we are compiling overnight. So that would be Hannah, I would think, that has written that. So let's hear now from Calvin. I'll, I'm going to click on this, take you back well, to the beginning. Well, it's just gone 10.30 here. First night in Moscow is coming to an end. There's our bus waiting to take us back to the uh, hotel. We're split between two hotels. There's 77 countries represented here, uh, everywhere from the African continent all the way across. All like-minded people, all with similar views. Trust me, people, when I say legacy media are losing. The awareness out in the real world, where we are at the moment, is astounding. These people know the game. They're calling it out, and together the pushback has started.